sometimes GPS doesn't have the full picture as Mike referred to it, uh, but the CIO has. It won't be enough money to solve everything, but it'll be enough money and enough resource with, a, with an IT competent leader in GBS, great things can happen. Welcome to GBS Masterminds podcast season three. CIOs are from Mars, GBS leaders are from Venus. My name is Sashi Narhari, founder and CEO of iRadius, and I'll be your host. Today, we have two amazing guests, and I'm going to turn it over to them to introduce themselves. Hi, guys. I'm Mike Zill. I'm CIO and CAO at Acadia Pharmaceuticals in San Diego, California. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Hi, my name is Marcus Baumgartner, and I am the head of global business services for Amoeba Group. I am located in beautiful Ohio, and the group headquarters is in Austria. <clears throat> All right. Welcome. So this, we want it to be like a presidential style debate. So it's almost like the two of you are going to go at it. I'm going to start with you, Mike, first question. Yeah, the CIO's office is often called by the business leaders as the office of the no. They feel like IT puts everything else on back burner, always busy upgrading and migrating SAP and Oracle. Maybe it's their perception, maybe reality. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I can see how people can think that. I mean, most of the time, we are thought of as the office of no, because we just don't have enough money. So it's not the, not the no, it's the don't have enough resource, don't have enough money, always being overtasked you know, with what's at hand. So we end up being the ones that have to prioritize. And unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, SAP and Oracle tend to be the most critical things that affect the most people. So at the end, if the business doesn't prioritize, we end up doing it and uh, become the office of no. Got it. So talking about money, which is an important topic for the economy at large. Mike, I've heard that companies like yours, typically most of the large enterprises have anywhere 2 to 3% of the budget of, re uh, of the revenue as budget for IT. Is that just enough barely to keep the lights on, like on SAP, Oracle, fixing all the break fixes, I guess? Uh, what do you think? So how can you, how do you think uh, the extra money needs to come from? Do you really feel like the business has to come come it more or... What are your general thoughts on this? I, I, I will tell you, I have this conversation a lot with my, my, my CFO and my business teams. I don't want to limit. I don't think we should limit the IT spend. I see IT spend just like you would on process spend or on labor spend or on anything else. It's a tool. It's a, it's a weapon. It's an ability to move the needle and to create capabilities. Um, graded and judged, you know, against other companies like that. And that's been a traditional uh, two or 3%, maybe a little bit more in certain industries, a little bit less than others. But uh, overall, I, I don't like the concept of that. And I think it's a, I think it's a mistake. And I think if I was a business leader running something, I wouldn't want to be limited by how much process improvement I can make or how much labor I could add or how much machinery I could put in a factory. It's the same idea. Got it. I guess the next question is for you, Marcus, you're a GBS leader. Business teams or the GBS teams are often maybe referred to as the office of the fairy tale. <laughs> they desire the latest and the greatest technology and expect the CIO's office to sign off. It may be a perception, maybe reality. What are your thoughts? Of course, GBS wants all that fancy stuff. And uh, my boss would chuckle right now because there was the saying in the company, if it's flashy, Marcus has to have it. 
No, but uh, kidding aside, uh, I see GBS as a key enabler for digital transformation since we are positioned in that way and we are acting globally. So we should be on top of the technology stack if it provides value to the GBS organization and the company. However, my change on that has changed in the last few years and I'm all for fixing the basics. Some companies like ours has grown a lot over the last few years and we have a myriad of technology available. So we are first uh, have to, we first have to fix the basics and have to use what's available on technology. We should focus first on fixing the underlying process and then uh, adding to the technology or subtract, subtracting from the technology stack whatever is necessary. And if we add something, it has to have a positive business impact. Otherwise, it gets really difficult to justify, except it's a legal necessity or it adds, for example, another security layer. Got it. The more systems you have in the company, the less possibility you have to afford standardization. And standardization is a GPS thing. Gen standardization is the necessary precondition, at least in my opinion, for operational excellence. And so the less interfaces you have, the more user acceptance and end user engagement have, you have, the more end user independence you have and the more proper use of your technologies that you are going to generate. That's my take on that. Got it. So let's talk about the digital investments. Maybe this is a question for uh, Mike, you being a CIO. Mike, I've seen like some of the bigger tech companies like Amazon, Google, Facebook, of course, they have deep pockets, but I've also seen they do some unique things like smaller projects, half a million investment, kind of like a trial and error kind of stuff. And if they produce results, so a lot more innovation, but at a micro level, so you're not spending a lot of money, but more of the traditional large enterprises always do like the big investments like SAP, Oracle, Salesforce. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think there is a good hybrid of the two approach? So I think your, your observation is correct. I think that, that the largest of the large companies, they're doing super large projects, but they're also carving out you know, some trial and error, some fast failure, some experimentation uh, you know, on the side. So I, I like, you gotta have, I think you have to have both if you're gonna advance. Uh, just keeping up with SAP and Oracle and some of the big you know, infrastructure things is not, never gonna be enough. So if you wanna go do experimentation, you know, I think doing it in a small way, very quick, agile kind of way, uh, not trying to boil the ocean is the way to prove out some value. And then, you know, nothing succeeds like success. So once you get a little success, people are going to jump on board. That's, that's my yep. take. Yeah. So maybe Marcus, question for you as a GBS leader. So obviously we all know the IT budgets are tight, right? It's hard to consume into the right. same CIO budget, but the innovation is also key and the digital investments. One of the questions I have for, the, for you as a GBS leader is, committing to business results, right? If you are willing to commit to business results, maybe the budgets will come. What do you think is holding the business side back from committing to more like business case ROI and results? Is it fear of failure? Do you think there is a conflict of interest? In some cases, productivity savings would result in a smaller team. Uh, what are your general thoughts and how do you go about handling this at your company? I think it's not 
fear of failure? I think this is a cultural question. Um, yeah. If you're used in the company to provide a business case and you are being held accountable for your results, then, um, then the investment is a, a no-brainer. It gets approved. But if you're just allowed to invest in your technologies and not being held accountable, just try it out, um, or not even being questioned about your investment, then you don't possess actually the culture of delivering and committing to results. So what we did in our company, we do have our own company version of objectives and key results. Mm -hmm. And one of the principles is radical transparency. So we let everybody know what's, the, what's their contribution to the objective. Mm -hmm. And we let them know inside and outside GBS. And um, I can only encourage everyone to try this out. It's a transformation of culture. It's it's sometimes a little bit of a painful process, but it's definitely worth it. Since if you create this culture of accountability, uh, your investments are definitely uh, adding to your bottom line and you are not making just fancy investments for investment's sake. Got it. So I think maybe the takeaway there is you have to, as your company did it, so how do you bring a culture of investments and accountability to really go do the digital uh, transformations. Maybe yeah. there's a question for you, Mike, like if you do that hard accountability, then maybe the people who are making the case will soften the business case. They might not be aggressive enough. How do you play that game? Like from a CIO side, when you're uh, seeing the both sides of, of this business case? Well, I agree with Marcus. It's definitely cultural, uh, but I also think it's, you know, we, we want to say what it is. So radical transparency, you could call that truth as well. Just what is it that we think is going to happen? And that's important to know. We can't lie to ourselves and we can't lie to others about what's going on. We need to be honest with what we think is going to happen. Um, I think that, that we also have to fish where the fish are. Too many times we want to try to swing the limited dollars to a place where we're not going to get big bang for the buck, right, at the end. And especially when we don't give businesses and business functions their own sort of investment budget. If we leave everything at the top, the two big problems are gonna always get the money. The 25 little things that all will have value, but not very much, they're not gonna get the money. So we have to think a little differently on that. And we could talk more about that, but, but, uh, but I think that, that radical transparency is a, great, uh, is a great way to think about it and getting people on board. Sometimes sometimes people have to wait. Everything can't be done equally. I mean, if you just look at almost any kind of team sport, almost anything, the defense isn't on the field while the offense is on the field. There's a certain order of battle that we go through. And the same thing is true in business. Once we get an agreement on kind of where we're trying to go as a company, then how we're gonna go get that needs to get you know uh, agreed across the organization. It doesn't mean everybody else has to stop everything they're doing, but we do need to get the, the vital few, if you will, done before we work on uh, many of the others. And like I said, it's not completely exclusive. In my view, everything's got to be moving forward to keep people's okay. mentality, but that's my thinking. Got it. Maybe a follow-up question for you, uh, Mike, on that. This is more around, should GBS have more control on IT decisions for themselves? Let me kind of give a little bit of backdrop on that. We, in the GBS Masterminds podcast, we have had over 30 plus GBS leaders as guests. 
And one of the most common patterns that I picked up is all of them is, look, we have all played the labor cost arbitrage game, right? Moving work from a high cost location to a low cost location. That is zero sum. What's next for us? When we have to drive automation, combination of AI and other technologies, and we need to bring this innovation for the next generation of improvements, then for that, our influence on IT selection is key to the extent that some feel like maybe they should have their own GBS CIO. What are your thoughts on that? I, I completely and 100% agree. Uh, as a CIO and a GBS leader in the past, that is that was actually table stakes for, for me even taking the job in GBS. Now, that doesn't give the GBS IT leader or the GBS leader carte blanche do everything they want. There's a set of rules. And then we need to give the authority, the responsibility, and the, the you know the, the capability to let GBS continue to drive their mission through the labor arbitrage into the process improvement, into uh, digital digital you know labor, digital transformation, automation. Otherwise, it'll never happen because it almost never in GBS stacks up, you know, equal to increasing sales somehow. You know, whatever that project is that we're never gonna we're never gonna stack up, and so. I think that is exactly the right answer. And, you know, it won't be enough money to solve everything, but it'll be enough money and enough resource with a with an IT competent leader in GBS. Great things can happen. And that machine that we're creating can, can advance and not stagnate. Got it. <clears throat> Marcus, <clears throat> your thoughts. Do you think you should have your own head of IT reporting to you or a different org design to make sure that you can control your destiny? I very much agree with that concept and with uh, what Mike has said, because it gives us the flexibility uh, on a local basis to, to act, uh, to optimize the processes on a local level. And some things have to be local. Not everything shall be controlled by global CIO. It's uh, the, uh, meeting local regulatory needs, uh, local tax needs, what and, and, and they demand a uh, different technology stack, for example, it gives, we need to have a solid IT on the ground and, and act really fast. And uh, I don't mean to go rogue, not at all. It, it all has to contribute to a global technology roadmap. But in that way, like you suggested, I think we can act more agile and make better contributions to serve the company's purpose. Got it. All right, maybe the close, closing question is around your one ask from the other planet. So since Mike, you're from CIO Venus, what's your ask from Marcus from, uh, sorry, you're from Mars, I guess, from Marcus from Venus, is that you'd like them to see change? Well, I, you know, I would go back and say patience, you know, is, is a virtue in that front. I, I think that sometimes uh, we have to realize that CIO has security issues, has all kinds of risk, you know, ideas across the entire enterprise. And it's never as easy as a smaller department focuses. So the things outside GBS's visibility is, are sometimes big and dominant in terms of some of the decisions and some of the speed. So I think be patient and then be, be communicating, you know, let us know, you know, what exactly you guys are doing and what exactly you need from us 
so that we can make sure that we uh, we bring that to the table. So I think it's those two things, patience and communications. All right, Marcus, you're asked from the office of the CIO. Um, somehow Mikey uh, read my emails because patience is definitely not my strong suit. So I will work on that promise. Uh, and what I would wish is quite old school and Mike referred to it, it's uh, better communication, better collaboration. I think that CIOs should broaden the playing fields, give us the guardrails and give us the opportunities of working better together. Um, sometimes GBS doesn't have the full picture as Mike referred to it, uh, but the CIO has. So when we, uh, it's all about codependency and if we work better together, we can make better decisions or understand the decisions way better, which uh, IT makes and uh, understand their priorities and getting behind it. So it's all about communication and codependency. All right, Mike and Marcus, I know how busy you are. Thank you so much for being the guests on our show. Happy New Year. Thank happy you very year. much, Sashi, for having us and uh, happy New Year. Enjoyed being here, thank you guys. That was the GBS Masterminds podcast. For more information, visit gbsmasterminds.com and make sure to search for GBS Masterminds in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at High Radius, thanks for listening.